Welcome back to the Awesome Boom Podcast, guys. Thank you so much for once again tuning in. I really do appreciate all your love and support and all the messages you guys send me. It's just um, it's just fantastic to hear your feedback, and I'm glad you are enjoying my podcast. We're going to be really ramping it up over the next sort of few months and uh, getting some very interesting conversations. So if you've got any topics you'd like me to cover, please do just DM me. It's super easy, and um, I'm always looking forward to finding new people so if you have an interesting story and you want to have a conversation with me face to face reach out seriously um you don't need to be famous or anything like that we're all awesome people and you've all got amazing stories to tell so if you feel you've got a story to tell and you'd like to come on the podcast please do reach out this week i am having a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine fabian fabian sadly lost his father to a brain tumor about eight months ago and he's been going through the whole grief process, obviously, as we all do when we do lose somebody that we love. But he's been utilising psychedelics to help him overcome and process the loss of his father. And we're going to be going into a, a pretty deep conversation into how plant medicines like cannabis and DMT have really helped him process this sort of huge loss in his life. Before we get started, I just want to do a huge shout out to our sponsors, Canico. Canico is a leading UK CBD brand. They sell a whole range of amazing products from your tinctures to your gel caps to your topical creams to your CBD flowers that you can roll up and vaporize or smoke traditionally or even make tea out of them. It's super, super easy. So you can check those guys out on Instagram. It's just canico.cbd or website is canico.co.uk. Right, let's get started and um, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Awesome Boom Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. I've got a friend of mine here today, Fabian, and uh, we're going to be discussing grief and death and how substances like cannabis and psychedelics can help us potentially overcome uh, those deep, deep hurting emotions that we experience when we lose somebody we love. So Fabian, thank you so much for coming on to the Awesome Boom Podcast. You're welcome. I, I really, really appreciate it. I've been, um, we've been talking about doing this podcast for a while, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm really grateful that you've rocked up. So let's just get straight in there, dude. Um, talk to me, talk to me about your, your experience and we'll go from there. Um, so the, the sort of backstory is my dad died of uh, a brain tumour last October, uh, last September, so eight months ago. And it's been eye-opening, amazing, healing and deep to use periodically um, small doses of psychedelics to help do the work around the grieving process um it's allowed me to understand my father a lot better and therefore to let go of a lot of things about him and about our relationship that were a huge struggle and that were essentially questions that i thought might go unanswered forever yeah that's uh, yeah no, I mean, I could, I, 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 yeah, no, I completely, um, I completely resonate with that actually, um, from obviously my own sort of experience with working with plant medicines, allowing you to sort of get a very different perspective of uh, situations that we experience. So, let's talk a little bit about how you 
even start to use psychedelics mm-hmm. to help you overcome and to deal with and to explore the grief process um, because I think I think a lot of people would be very interested in the fact that there is potential there because we're all going to experience grief yeah you know if we haven't already experienced grief you know be that a relationship breakdown to mm. you know losing a loved one you know that grief takes many many forms so in your personal experience you know after losing your dad and you know I know that you've been you've been working very hard on on yourself mm. and, and exploring everything what what talk to us about what utilizing psychedelics in the sort of grief process really sort of means you know how, do, how does that look you know for people who have got no idea you know how does how does that how does that look is it sort of a sort of traditional therapy session is it are you sat at home just doing it yourself i'm in a ceremonial group setting um i've known the chap who runs the the sessions i go to for for a long time um he says he gives a, a blessing to the space um everybody gets smudged and then the medicine starts as to my personal experience i think the best way to maybe describe it is that i take in to the ceremony with me a written intention and i read it to myself before going into the psychedelics um and a good example of of an event like that is about two weeks before 10 days before my dad's funeral um i'd been asked to give the eulogy and i was very very quickly after he died in the anger stage as well as numb and i wasn't sure how i was going to get up in that state of mind and give his eulogy and not be able to write it and I'd had the added pressure of my sisters I have three sisters not being very good with words and therefore essentially saying we'd like to stand up with you but you need to write it so I went into a session with psychedelics with an intention of okay I need to figure this out so that I can stand up in church at his funeral and actually be grounded and centered and say what I want to say um, and I'd given when I was asked through the eulogy I'd given my response had been only if I'm allowed to speak from my heart for me with nobody editing or giving comment on what I wanted to say so I'd gotten that but I I was in a state of not being able to figure it out and going into the psychedelics that night I came out and I went home and I sat down at my laptop and in 20 minutes I had the eulogy written and I gave the exact eulogy that I wrote um, so so in that sense did you did you find that um you know, and using the sort of psychedelics at that point, did you find that it obviously um, helped your mind sort of open up more to what you needed to say or how you wanted to say it to sort of connect to your, your sort of emotions and feelings? It, it did a couple of things. The biggest sort of piece of my anger was, I don't know that there's anything else. So where is he? I believe in the soul. Where is he? There was a sense of, my dad's gone and I don't know where 
um, the first thing I got that night was an incredibly clear visual and connection to him of I'm okay, I am where I need to be and you can let go. And then from that I got a real, almost, almost I would describe it as a movie of my dad and an ability to understand him and therefore write the eulogy. So that, that was, I think, the biggest thing was the first chunk of letting go and stepping out of that anger phase of grief incredibly quickly mm. to then be able to go, okay, this was my dad. Yeah, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah. That's pretty powerful. It's interesting that you referred to it like you're sort of seeing a movie mm. um, because I sort of say that to a lot of people when, when you're... If you go deep into the plant medicines and you ask for help, advice, you very typically, a lot of people describe sort of getting this sort of movie-like yes. sort of scenes or popping up in your mind. And uh, I've, I've experienced it dozens and dozens of times mm. and it's, uh, it's absolutely fascinating. It's just the insights that you can yeah. get from, yeah. from that. And I think a lot of people would potentially struggle if they've never used sort of psychedelics to even comprehend how that even looks and feels. Yeah. Um, but the access to information is is, is vast, isn't mm. it? It really is. It's incredible. It's, yeah, it's it's your to me. It's literally you're being shown a, a, a movie of what you need to see. It's a good way of putting it. And once you've been shown something and you can understand it, then you can work through it. Mm. I think I know for me where I struggle is when I don't understand something. And once I can get the understanding of it, then I can, then I can work through it. Yeah, I think to be honest, Ophade, I, th I think that's uh, I think that's true of all of us, isn't mm. it? It's that sort of, you know, when we when we don't understand something, we sort of feel like we're out of control. Yeah. And then obviously, when our minds are out of control, we're going to then sort of fill the voids mm. with, with with potential other stories, just so we yeah. kind of feel that like we're more in control, which can be. Um, quite damaging I think because you can start to potentially create that isn't really there mm. um, misinterpret I guess yeah you know and I guess especially in in that sort of heightened state when you're grieving you know I, I think when we're grieving or when we're in any sort of heightened emotional state I think we're quite vulnerable mm. potentially um, so no that is that is that is fascinating talk to me a little bit about um, what type of psychedelic do you use? Because there's obviously loads of different types of psychedelics, and I think people will be interested in what you've used, yeah. how it's how it's been used, and you know when you're in that space, you know what are you what are you experiencing? What are you thinking about um, that that sort of journey? I think people will be interested. Um, so I've done, I've experimented with microdosing um, LSD, um, but the full-on experiences that I've had have been with DMT. Um, I will happily confess that a full ayahuasca experience for me is a not yet. It's not a no, but it's a not yet. Um, but yeah, so LSD and DMT. Um, and I'm someone who, for example, I tend to sit or lie down when I take it. I'm not someone who can be up and active. Um, 
yeah and as i've said it's in a it's it's been in a ceremonial setting and it's been um vapes essentially mm. so that's a, that's a, that's a that's a great way of administering it mm. really, isn't it yeah um and it's it is you know gen i say it as someone who has experience of trying to work through things via the medical world meaning antidepressants and all of that this stuff is genuine used right it's medicine yeah i know i i, I agree with you I'm a, I'm a massive advocate and um you know coming from my background where i've, I've worked i've worked in mental health for oh gosh over 23 years now and um you know, for for a long time, I've worked with people with grief and and, yeah. and other sort of you know very powerful emotional traumas, you know, from the past. And I've seen time and time again how modern allopathic medicine, or, or, and certainly their approach to issues, mental health issues, grief, etc., just sort of fails massively. Mm. Where you know people are grieving, so we don't really understand what to do. So we're just going to put them on antidepressants yeah. often. We switch them off, which is as I always sort of say, is, is almost it's halting the the healing process. You're, you're pausing it yeah. in in mid flow, and you're not allowing people to go through that process. Because very often, I think, you know, trauma, pain is very very painful, and I think as humans, we will often do everything we can to avoid that because we're programmed to avoid discomfort. Mm. The, the the I think the frustrating part is is that ultimately to heal you have to keep going through that process and it is it is a process it's like a program i had a one of my longest serving um counselors or psychiatrists because i've also grappled with depression told me once until you label meaning speak out a trauma and work through it you will never heal and yet we live in a society where you know keeping it to the topic of grief Nobody wants to talk about it. I know. It's, 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 put it in a, it's put it in a box and don't talk about it. It's an odd one, and isn't I it? Get, yeah. I get people look at me all the time when I talk about when I talk about grieving. They want They don't want to do it. Why do you? Why do you think? Why do you think we do that? Because I mean, it's it, it's you know, none of us, I would argue, are going to ever escape this notion of death. No, and yet. It's one thing that is ultimately guaranteed. Yeah. One, you're going to get taxed by our government. Birth, death, and taxes. Birth, right? death, <laughs> and taxes, right? You know, those, those three things are guaranteed, unless, yeah. you, unless you're lucky enough to live in a sort of a tax exile sort of space. And yet, we, we are so uncomfortable. I mean, I've got a funeral, my grandmother's mm-hmm. funeral, on, mm. on Tuesday next week. And I, th- I think it's partly manufactured by the culture we live in. If you look at what we are everybody's trying to sell us something 24 hours a day and if you look at a huge piece of what it is we're being sold whether it's cosmetics or gym memberships or nutrition plans everything is designed everything is selling you on the idea that you can stay and look young forever and we put our old people off to the side yeah Mm. you know old people are kind of coddled and put in a corner we don't have a culture that embraces life we have a culture that embraces youth and if you if you travel to 
Australia, I lived in North America for 12 years and you start reading into native cultures or if you look at the itinerant tribesmen in, in parts of Central Asia, they embrace death as being a part of life. It's a cycle. And we're so desperate to stay young and to stay looking good that we actually don't embrace the process of getting older. And therefore we fear death. Mm. It's pretty powerful. Because we don't see the big picture. You know, people ask people ask you all the time, would you go back to being 18, 19? And I hear so many people saying, yeah. Whereas I look at it and I go, why would I want to go back there? Because here's pretty good. Yeah. But I think the fear of talking about it comes from that or is rooted in part in that because if being young and looking good is everything then by extension getting older is negative and death is the ultimate oh my god do you think that's um i mean my 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 personal opinion on death has radically changed over the last sort of Definitely 18 months. I've, I was always fairly relaxed with the notion just due to my work and obviously experiencing death a lot mm. in, in, my, in my previous job. And um, I always found death, you know, actually fairly beautiful, fairly, fairly beautiful just to sort of watch. And I've, I've, I've watched, I've been there as people transition, mm-hmm. like, as they pass. Mm. And... Um, you know, it's it's an emotional, but it's a it's a sort of, it's a very powerful kind of sort of situation. And then now, you know, obviously, sort of since being on my own sort of journey of self discovery and and utilizing plant medicines a lot, I now I now believe that I understand death far more. Mm-hmm. And it is, this is you know, I recognise that this this is my personal belief system, and I'm certainly not going to encroach it or put a shit on anybody else um, but I'm, I'm, I'm no longer scared of this notion of like we leave this body and leave this mm-hmm. world my, my girlfriend occasionally comes to DMT sessions with me and we did one probably about a month ago and she her the message she got from the, from the, we had a conversation about it and the message she got that night was i am everything and i'm nothing we are not our bodies and i said looked at her and i said that's exactly why i know where why dad is not actually dead and she looked at me and said what do you mean i said his body's gone but his energy's still here yeah. and i said physically i know where he is because i've had that visualization we look at death as a finality as a as a full stop black and white instead of viewing it with a more nuanced and open-minded viewpoint and again I come back to a cultural point of view when you make your value as a society money when you make your value as a society purely material you are going to create a nation of cynics it, it's as simple as if the pu- if if the if the value of 
what you are and what a person is in society is monetary, which is how we measure things, how can you expect any depth? Mm. That's pretty deep. That's pretty deep, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And once you have that viewpoint, it changes everything. It doesn't mean, you know, money is evil, but money is a tool. But it shouldn't be the be-all and end-all defining value. And again, it's the... I've had a, again, about a month after my father died, I asked the DMT a question. I said, because I, I have tattoos. I said, I want a tattoo design for to commemorate my dad. And the image I got was the flower of life. Everything is connected. So if you have a basis of a society that says to be young and pretty is everything there is, and the only thing that counts is how much money you make or how high you are socially because of your money, then you're going to create a society that has a nihilistic view. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's interesting that you, you, you bring up nihilism. We were talking about that last night over dinner with some friends. And um, yeah, powerful, powerful point. Very powerful point. Um, because for me personally, I just I um, I just literally feel like you know we our bodies our bodies stop working yeah. and uh, we pass through to the other side and then at some point we'll make a choice decision potentially to come back here to continue yeah. our continue our journey. Yeah, you know, there's a reason native cultures revere the elderly and talk about their spirits. Mm. And we've 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 somehow managed to forget all of that. Why do you think that is? Because I mean, you know, I think if, if society viewed it as important, then we would have continued yeah. to talk about it. Because I mean, we, 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 we bring up the past, we talk about the past mm -hmm. a lot as a society, as things to remember, be it, you know, wars or, or you know, it's, it's, usually, yeah. it's usually around sort of yeah. negative stuff like mm. wars, isn't it? That, you know, we sort of, we remember and we sort of um i'm not sure where i'm going with that but yeah it's, it's i think it's i think it's i think it's conditioning you know i i as i say i've spent time in countries with indigenous cultures one of my one of my oldest and favorite oldest meaning longest serving and best yoga teachers is in the states is native is part native american um, she's a healer herself and as soon as you dive into that it all clicks and we've cho we've almost we have chosen in our quote unquote western advanced societies to set that aside yeah mm. um, and you can extend that into every walk of life we've forgotten what our bodies are supposed to do and we live a lifestyle that is completely the opposite of what the human body is designed for in the west we've somehow forgotten where we come from what our roots are and what we're supposed to be doing no i i i, I completely agree with you again sort of tying that back to my sort of mm. personal journey of where I thought I was on the right path for years 
you know, struggle with anxiety, mm. depression, alcoholism, yeah. drug abuse, all these sort of things that I'd have to sort of add to my life to mm-hmm. try and dull it down yeah. because of the chaos in my to mind. To numb it. To numb it. To yeah. numb this experience, yeah. And, you know, you look at, you look at, you look at the statistics. We have the, the, the Anglo-Saxon cultures, specifically, interestingly enough, the English-speaking ones, meaning Britain, the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, have the highest rates of depression and the highest rates of antidepressant prescription anywhere in the world. What's different, for example, in mainland Europe, they have a better work-life balance. They start at 9 a.m., they stop at 5 p.m., and they have weekends off, period. German companies now are requiring their employees to install software on their phones that blocks work emails between 5 p.m. on a Friday and 9 a.m. on a Monday. You can get sacked for checking work email. We are a 24-hour go-go-go society. Yeah, especially in London. Especially in London. Um, We don't move our bodies. We have in the UK, I think I read it recently, we have now a higher obesity rate among kids than the Americans do. Really? Which is terrifying. I think I'm right in saying that. I saw saw an article about it recently, but we have a, a high obesity rate now. Probably to percentages and numbers because yeah. we're much smaller, but that's still scary. We, we are one of the least fit physically societies on in the West. And speaking from my profession, we are seeing injuries in kids meaning 14 15 year olds that you would normally not see in someone until they retired because we're doing this we're sat all day we're hunched we've completely forgotten in every area of our lives what life is supposed to be and what our bodies are meant for bodies and minds yeah there's there's a complete we're living in the most contradictory way we possibly can and that includes connection some of the my girlfriend said to me a couple of weeks ago we've been dating for six months she said to me i feel like we've been together for six months but i feel like we've been together for a year and a half and i asked her why and she said because in her words in dmt sessions our walls have been so down We've put our phones away and we've sat or lain face to face and we've had conversations that most couples don't have until they've been together for a year and a half or two years. We went on our first holiday in February, three months in, and had multiple people ask us how long we've been married. So there's a deep, deep connection. So there's, there's, there's already a deep connection because we just clicked. Yeah. We were friends before we started dating. But going to DMT sessions with her has as a couple made massive shifts and we have a rule now at weekends that we do we do one weekend day meaning Saturday or Sunday where for 24 hours we both turn our phones off and ignore it and they are always the best day of the weekend and that again is symptomatic people People don't even look up from their phones while they're walking. No, I, I had a and la- if lady you watch walking it, to me. People yeah. do stuff. It can be hilarious to see what people do. But 
we've created this vision of what our society is and we've completely disconnected from everything else it's interesting that you uh, you refer to connection because um, I mean you're absolutely bang on you're, you're bang on and I think I think a lot of people are really generally missing mm. real deep connections yeah. with other human beings because like you sort of say we communicate so often through text mm. message you know through social media and actually sort of be able to sit down have a face-to-face -face conversation look at someone in the eyes yeah. really sort of feel their energy really connect to mm. them I mean how often do people create those deep 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 connections in this society where it is it's a very shallow society yeah. it's very much a throwaway society yeah. and um, I think you know a lot of us are very very consumed by our own it's our own world it's also a very it's also a very narcissistic culture and maybe a better word to use is selfish culture or a what I would call a user culture in the sense that most people in their relationships aren't actually looking for connection in my view partly because they don't know how to anymore because we're so stuck in the technology but the other side of it is we're programmed through the consumer culture we have to always have, have a question namely what can this person do for me And again, to give you an example, I had my six month anniversary because we we're soppy like that with my girlfriend a few weeks ago and I took her bowling and people were going at me saying, took her bowling? Why aren't you going out spending money? I said, because I'd rather actually have two hours of fun with her with no phones, laughing our heads off, getting a little bit competitive, having a puff of cannabis before we go bowling. Yeah. But again that shows you where people's values are yeah in the sense that you know to sort yeah. of express love you've got yeah. to sort of shower people with gifts and, and you, spend you money. know we were sitting in the re we we were sitting in the restaurant and it's I, we went out for steak and it's a steakhouse near my girlfriend that she has told me is known for known as being a first date place and we had a lot of fun sitting there and watching how many couples had their phones on their table or were actually texting or on their phones during dinner. How are you having a conversation if your head is my multitasking is scientifically disproven? I have a physical test that I do with clients that proves that where your eyes are is the task you're focused on. If you're not looking at something, you cannot be focusing on it, meaning conversation. If you're not making eye contact, you're not focusing on the conversation. If you're texting while you're walking, you're not focusing on walking. Watch people who are texting while they walk. They weave. They look like they're on a bleeding slalom slope. Yeah. So we've lost that. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I think... Um I really like the fact that you guys sort of put your phones away. It's something yeah. that um, my wife and I we were talking about it the other day, and uh, she's like, "Oh, it'd just be really nice just to sort of go away for a couple of weeks and like leave phones at home." Mm. And I'm just like, oh, "That sounds like yeah. a good digital detox." Because yes. I'm I'm completely addicted to my mm -hmm. phone. I'm not going to lie. Although mm. I'm, I'm reducing my usage, and my usage is going down mm. by about twelve percent yeah. a week, apparently, according to the app. 
Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm acutely aware of mm. that. I mean, I can be sat down in an evening watching something maybe on TV. I mean, I, I don't find TV particularly stimulating no. any longer. But, you you know, you've got your phone in your hand and there's this impulsive behaviour yes. just to pick it up yeah. and just, just, just to check. And you're like, why am I checking my bloody yeah. phone? I checked it 30 seconds and, ago. And social media is one of the biggest contributors to mental health problems out there. Because what you see on social media is... silly a silly personal example i've got three sisters they've all got kids one of my sisters put up a picture probably about two weeks ago of one of my nieces doing something very cute but then five minutes later the phone rang and it was her and she was like oh my god this kid is having a complete meltdown she and i are very close and we're having chat and i sort of had an immediate moment of if you only looked at social media what she's just put up is a very cute picture which I happen to know was taken a few weeks before she put it up, but you get the snapshot or you get the photo of the couple out on an anniversary and it looking all happy and smiling. People don't post, people generally don't put up quote unquote negative stuff on social media or some do, but the danger is, is that you look at that snapshot and you start comparing yourself. And I forget who said it, it's a famous quote, but quote unquote, comparison is the thief of joy. That's a good quote, I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, because no two people are, no two people are the same and no two journeys are the same. So just because somebody else is quote unquote, further along the path than you are, or they're in my case, leaner than you, or they can lift a heavier weight in the gym than you, does that make you better? You're different. Maybe you didn't start training at the same time as that person. Maybe they've got 15 years on you. So why is it a surprise that they're more advanced Mm. than you? But that's what social media does. And that's what our culture does. Are you driving a BMW or are you driving a Skoda? And if you're not driving a BMW, why not? What's wrong with you? It's crazy. Yeah. And if you haven't got the latest piece of kit, why not? What's wrong with you? You haven't upgraded your iPhone in four years. You've used the money, I don't know, to travel. What's wrong with you? Mm. Compare, 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 compete, compete, compete. And we're all bloody miserable. I, I mean, I, I, I see it. I see it with clients who come and sort of talk to me. And I think what I sort of say to people is that we live in the, we very much live in a society where from a very, very young age, you are, you are conditioned and yes. you're told if you go through life and you tick all these boxes, you'll get to a point where you reach nirvana. Mm-hmm. You know, your life is going to be perfect. Yeah. And, 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 and you, usually I think it's sort of acceptable to expect that maybe around your late 30s, mm-hmm. early 40s, where you've, you know, you've been in your career a yeah. long time. You've got your you know you're married you've got your kids you've got your house you're sort of settled this is this is the classic client sort of profile that i yes. see where these people come to me and then and, and on paper you're like dude what is wrong you know, your you, life you, must you, be fantastic yeah, you've got yeah. a, you've got an amazing job yeah. you're earning lots of money yeah. you've got a beautiful wife you've got wonderful kids you've got a lovely house mm-hmm. you've got a beautiful car holidays all this sort of stuff and this is a conversation i had mm-hmm. with a guy literally the other day and he was like awesome he said yeah i appreciate that on paper in this materialistic world 
everything looks absolutely fantastic he said but i promise you he said i am so empty inside mm -hmm. he said i can't even explain how yeah. empty i feel my my dad did fantastically well for himself made a lot of money and yet at the end of his life he and i he and i had conversations in which he let on my boy what was it all for and he was miserable and again to go to circle back to dmt i've had conversations connections with him call it what you like since he died that I, 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 I work on my dad's best friend. And a few weeks ago, he said to me, you know, Fabian, your dad was very good at what he did, but he hated it. Well, then why did he stick to doing it? And the answer was fear. Your dad grew up, was programmed to believe that money is everything. And yet at the end of his life, when he retired the last 10 years of his life, and he was sitting at home all day, he started asking the questions. Where are the connections? He started looking at me differently and going, well, maybe my son's got it right <laughs> and I've had it wrong. I get the same. People do very well for themselves, but there's something missing. And what's missing is connection and joy and seeing the world and being out in the world amongst people. There's definitely this this, yeah. this this deep separation with yes. people. There's this deep division. And there's a part of me which feels that it's actually orchestrated mm -hmm. to divide. Oh, God, yeah. Constantly divide us up, you know, <laughs> from, from the colour of your skin to the bloody football team you support well, to the, the God in the sky that you pray to. It's all dividing and splitting us up, I feel. There's, there's, there's an expression, and I forget, it's in one of my favourite movies, I forget the Latin, so I'll give you the English. Bread and circuses. Have you seen Gladiator? Yeah. There's a scene early in Gladiator where two senators are sitting and they're discussing the 150 days of games that the new emperor has proposed. And one of them picks up the leaflet and puts it down on the table and says, bread and circuses. And his colleague says to him, what do you mean? He says, well, if you keep people divided, you can do what you like. And that's precisely it. Keep us focused on needing more, 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 more. Keep us competing with the bloke next to us or our spouse or whoever. Or keep us focused on Manchester United versus Tottenham or Liverpool versus Tottenham or England versus All Blacks or whatever sporting event you want to conjure up in your head that you follow. But if you're focusing on that, the people in power can do what they like and it's funny because i used to be a passionate fan of a particular rugby team and now i'm a sporting neutral and people say to me how can you be a neutral and i say because if i'm a neutral a i don't get sucked into this team or that team and i therefore don't get sucked into watching sport endlessly and therefore being distracted but b i get to enjoy the pure athleticism doesn't matter who's wearing the shirt mm. what that bloke did there was unbelievable from a physical athletic standpoint but i'm not getting sucked into him versus him and that's perhaps the biggest thing that psychedelics have done for me is give me that perspective of this is actually what it is 
I, I, I jokingly say to my girlfriend, the matrix is real. Yeah, it is. And in our case, the matrix is the technology and it's what we're being told is good for us. Mm, very powerful. And I also, I've stopped, I've stopped reading the newspapers and I've stopped reading, watching the news. What I do now is I scan the headlines every morning and that's it. So I'm aware, how can you not be living in England at the present moment of what's going on? But I'm not getting sucked into that versus that, that versus that. And once you start seeing the bigger picture, then you think the way we do. Mm. I wonder, um, because it, you know, it's, it's beautiful being able to have a sort of open, honest conversation mm. with someone like yourself who recognizes and sort of queries and questions. And I certainly believe that more and more people nowadays are sort of questioning stuff. Because, I mean, you know, I, mm. I, I don't watch, I very rarely yeah. watch any sort of TV unless it's a sort of a program that I've, I've decided I want to watch. I don't switch TV on just to have it in the room like mm. a lot of people do. I certainly don't watch the news and I, yeah. I, I don't read newspapers. I don't even bother scanning, to be honest, mm. because I've, I live by the theory that Ultimately, if something is really, really important, it will find me anyway. Yes. I'm going to be aware of it. Yeah. Someone, someone sure. clo close to me is going to go, oh, did you, did you mm. hear about this plane crash? Or did you hear about this sort of tragedy? Mm -hmm. And you're like, uh, no, but thank you for mm -hmm. telling me. Um, because I'm a, I'm a firm believer that the news, yes. the news is just constantly negative. Yeah. It's constantly divisional. It's designed to keep you angry. And it's designed so to keep you in a bad mood because then they can sell you more stuff. Mm. I, I, <laughs> I've learned to not tell people when they ask me, quote unquote, what I do, what my official title is, what my qualification is, because you straight away get pigeonholed. pigeonholed. And I tell people that quote unquote, I reconnect people to their bodies. And they look at me and go, what do you mean? Because once, that's a big part of what's going on in society is they've disconnected us completely from our bodies. We're drones, people are drones. They're, you know, the, what I jokingly call lemmings. They'll follow each other off a cliff without asking a question. But once you get someone to reconnect to their body, to literally be in their body, things start changing. And I see that with clients. And again, it's something that psychedelics have helped me with. The awareness of my body, the awareness of all of those messages and the awareness of, for example, being able to differentiate between, you know, I've just, for example, treated myself, they haven't arrived yet to a new set of headphones. But my old behavior would have been, I want the headphones, therefore buy them. Now it's, that's a nice set of cans, but they're really expensive. Do I need them right now? No, I don't need them right now. Okay, earmark. Oh, wow, somebody's given me a 50 quid voucher discount that brings the price of those headphones down to below what my maximum is. Now I'm gonna buy them. Mm. That's a different attitude to money and consumption than most people have. Well, I think we live in that sort of instant gratification yes. society, don't we, where it's just literally, I want something. But it's disconnection in the sense of you think having this piece of kit is going to make you happy. Once I have this kit, I'll, be, I'll finally be happy. And the reason you can have that message is because people are disconnected from their bodies.
In other words, they take validation from external things. I don't, I don't drink alcohol. I was, never, I was never an alcoholic. I just don't actually like alcohol. I don't like the taste of it. People look at me like I'm crazy. And I say, I don't need a substance to get me into my body to be able to feel. I do so quite naturally. Because that's, we are meant to be human beings, not human doings. Yeah, I love that. So true, so true. Yeah, and it's connection, it's moving your body, it's fueling your body correctly, because what we're told to put in our bodies is, you know, I, I used to be one of the morbidly obese. I've lost 12 stone. Is that how much you've lost yeah. in total? 12 stone I mean, is you've... the amount of weight I've lost in total. Dude, you've lost yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a six but foot one man. If I, if I was to follow what society was telling me was healthy, what the message tells me is healthy, I would not, be, I would not look how I look now, namely having 15% body fat. Yeah, I mean, you look yeah. incredibly fit and healthy. I eat the caveman diet. Yeah, paleo. But if you look at what we're marketed to eat, everything's processed. Yeah. What we're told is good for us. And again, it's another thing. F people use fast food, junk food. It's another way of numbing yourself. Why do we live in a society where people feel they have to be numb to live? That's, a, that's an incredible indictment of the values our society has that people have to be numb to get through life. I can relate, I, I spent 23 years numbing myself. Yeah, for me it was sugar, yeah, I was a sugar addict. I ate three Big Mac meals a day for a long, long time, yeah, minimum. Why do we live in a society where people need to numb themselves just to get by? We're some, something is, is very, very wrong and psychedelics can open people's minds and I think that's why they're viewed that's part of why they're viewed as being so dangerous take out the therapeutic side of being able to understand your trauma which I've used them for as well and work through it or working through my dad's death or as I now call it my dad's crossing over yeah another example my sister's to talk to him, feel they have to go to his grave. I go to his grave when I want to, but I can tune him in all the time because I've done that work. But I actually genuinely believe that is one reason why these substances are viewed as being so dangerous, because they open minds. Oh yeah, I think the, I think the powers that be are absolutely terrified yeah. by that notion, right? Yeah, it's as, it's as you know the line that Morpheus says in The Matrix, freeing minds. Once you've freed a mind, it can never go back. Because mm. how do you unknow what what you've seen? Mm. Oh, I, was, I was having this, this, this conversation last night with uh, three friends of mine, and um, none of whom have ever done ayahuasca, mm. and all of whom uh, on, on, on multiple levels struggle with, with the world that we find mm. ourselves in. And um, I sort of said to them, look, you know, I'll, I'll give you a, an ayahuasca warning that once you once you go yeah. down that route, once you open that wormhole, that rabbit hole, you dive deep. There is no going back. We to we we have it, 
we're born with it we but we lose it mm. I, it it's fascinating once you've done psychedelics Th- there are people in this world who see it and I'll tell you who those people are kids oh totally okay agree. so I will never forget I have two nieces they're the same age as each other but very different I did my first DMT session and two days later I went to see my sister and She's a single mother, so that particular niece and I are very, very close because she craves the male influence. So I walked in the front door and I could see her at the other end of the house and her normal procedure is to sprint and essentially slam into you. On this occasion, she sprinted and about five feet away from me, she stopped. And you could see that her brain was and she scanned me literally she looked at my feet and then she slowly looked up my body went back and looked at my heart center went back up and looked at my third eye and slowly smiled and then when I picked her up she kissed my third eye and she'd never done that before ever kids and toddlers babies have that energetic intuition we beat it quote unquote programming out of them we're born with it it's innate and once you switch it back on again using psychedelics you can't switch it off again Mm. it's there it's innate it's in us but we choose we choose to switch it off and therefore we can't connect yeah, I'm not sure I think we choose. I think, like you said earlier, I think it's programmed mm. and beaten out of us. I mean, yes, I've, I've done a, a recently a lot of work on my sort of uh, post-seven years, and that's what I worked on last, mm. you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was over on my other retreat. And it was fascinating going back and realising how I'd been bullied at school yes. by the teachers. The teacher had shamed me mm-hmm. out of my behaviour. I, mm-hmm. I was very charismatic sparky high energy child nowadays you describe me as adhd um but that wasn't that behavior simply wasn't acceptable that kid won't behave yeah adhd yeah Yeah. literally literally. and it was it was shamed and beaten out of me over a number of years yes and and i had i had exactly the same experience you must fit into you know when i was two when i was two my parents took me to a psychiatrist because we don't understand our son, he's different. Not, not that I'd done anything evil or wrong, but I was introverted, I kept myself to myself. I, had, I, wasn't, I was never a, a kid who wanted to be in big groups of people. I craved the one-on-one connection. Even now, I do not have a lot of friends. You know, when, peop- when you see on Facebook, so-and-so has 1,500 friends and you go, really? Yeah, I don't have I have a lot of acquaintances but I probably have I can count them on less than one hand real friends mm. because I want connection I'm not interested in small talk and what's the weather and oh by the way have you bought the latest smartphone app that tracks you know you know you know what I'm getting at no no of course and I'm, I had the same experience. And being able to unlock and return 
to what my nature is. I'm finding now that I'm coming back to things that I wanted to learn as a kid, but was told I couldn't because that's not what one does. And I'm coming back to things that I loved doing as a kid and was good at, but that were programmed out of me, again, because that's not what one does. So you, you really sort of start to find your yeah. authentic self. And, and, and it, go, it, goes down to, it goes down to silly little things like my haircut. I used to, when I was sort of nine, ten, I think I was eight or nine, I went out and got my head, hair cropped short. And my dad said, why did you do that? I said, because I like it. Never again was I allowed to keep my hair short. I had a typical public school parting. And now it's like, you know what? That's Fabian. Mm. Or I, I was into martial arts as a kid and was very good at them. But then had to give it up. Had to give it up because I was put into a school by my parents that did not offer martial arts. And now I'm starting a martial art again this week. I'm returning to my authentic self. And that's what our society does. It takes this human being that's been born. And instead of letting that human being be that human being. With guidance, obviously. So you don't turn into a serial killer or whatever. But we have this stuff imposed on us implanted on us and this is where we are as a society i can't remember how old you are but i think you're in my demographic sort of mid 40 late mid 30s to mid 40s yes there or thereabouts 40 this year very proud <laughs> our demographic men in our age group have the highest suicide rates of any demographic in society 84 men a week in the uk alone if you multiply that by all the Anglo-Saxon countries, it's probably three, four times that number. 84 men a week commit just, suicide. Just, just in the UK. Just in the UK. And we think nothing's wrong. And the me again, to go back to division, why do you think the press allows and pushes so much of the radical feminist agenda? Because again, it keeps us divided. Once you talk to women face to face, one on one, eye to eye contact, one of my girlfriend's best friends is a radical feminist. Her opinion has shifted since she's been talking to me. Why? Because she's not reading the papers anymore. She's actually sitting across the table over a meal, making eye contact with a man who has gone through mental health, who has been suicidal, who has come very close to suicide, and hearing that it is not actually that easy being a man in the world. And as soon as you do that, you destroy the radical argument and you end division. Mm. Everything that's in the media and everything that we're told from sports team to gender is designed to divide us. I completely agree with you. Agree. And again, that's what psychedelics, psychedelics do. It's div divide and conquer. Yeah, very true. And very true. they are medicines. But to those in power, they're dangerous medicines. Because they free our minds. And they start you asking questions. And you shouldn't ask questions. No. 
it's it's so it's it's deep and it's scary when you realize just the level of manipulation that yeah. we all endure yeah and that's why what's most important is to come back to connection because then you realize that the person who you've actually been told is the other is not that different from you Mm. No, I've I've learned that because I mean I grew up I grew up in the countryside, you know, in a sort of small sort of farming community. You know, it was very white. Mm. It was very white mm. British, very yeah. very white British, and um, you know, then moving to London, you know, many many years later, and you know, so many people in the countryside were oh we don't like London. Why? Yeah. Well, it's busy and it's full of foreigners. <laughs> You're just like yeah, that's the most absurd yeah. thing, you know, because now living in London, you know, my 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 circle of friends. They're, they're from every corner mm -hmm. of the yes. world. And because of that, you know, you just learn and your life is enriched by what they can offer you. Mark Twain said, travel is fatal to bigotry. Yeah, like that. And, and you know, if you, if you live in London and you genuinely live in London, meaning you don't box yourself into certain friendships groups, then in London you are essentially traveling because London is so international. Get on the tube and listen. How, how often do you hear English? Yeah, really. Yeah, or look around you and ask the you know ask the barista in your coffee shop where she's from. Chances are she's not English. No, mine's Australian. Yeah, um, or they're Eastern European or whatever. And again, we're not that different as human beings. Once you actually start talking to a person, once you make eye contact, Once you make eye contact, it's very difficult to hate the other person opposite you. Mm. Yeah. And again, that's why this social media is so dangerous. Because if you're having, for example, a political debate with someone, it's very easy to slag them off and insult them on social media. It's very difficult. It's very, sorry, it's very easy. It's very difficult to sit opposite them. This sort of reminds um, me a bit like um, road rage. Yes. Where you know you're sat in your car and someone cuts you up and you know you're effing, you're blinding, you you know you're, you're saying you're, mm. you're going to get out and sort of yeah. slaughter this person. But you would never behave like that if you're just no. walking down the street and you accidentally yeah. knocked into somebody or yeah. someone cut you up on the pavement. Yeah. And it's it's once you've seen it, once you've seen what that picture is, it does become impossible to go back. I look at myself now. I did my first, I did my first DMT session. What are we now? Mid May, mid. I did my first DMT session early March last year. So I've been doing it on and off for about thirteen months. It's completely changed how I look at the world. It, in what ways? So, because quickly, because I, I realise that you've got to go shortly. So, in, in 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 essentially exactly that way. That what I look for now is connection. Um, and I try to really tune in to people, not just in everyday life walking around, but in my work as well. Why has this person got a back injury? Why? Why is that particular muscle tight? I'm trying to. I try to feel into the energy of it. I try to feel into the energy of the person. And actually, you know, I've had, I've developed relationships. I won't say friendships, but connections and relationships with people who. I would never normally have connected to or bonded with via exactly what I'm talking about, making eye contact and not believing what I'm told to believe anymore. 
Yeah, I have clients who voted Brexit. Now, doing doing DMT, doing the medicine, has allowed me to actually step back and see them, and while still disagreeing with them, understanding why they voted that way, and seeing them as actual good-hearted human beings who have a certain viewpoint for a reason instead of degenerating into oh my god you voted brexit what have you done and that's just a small example mm. or my immediate relationships with my mum and my sisters where they can be terribly agitated about something or having an argument about something related to dad and i'm the one that's able to step back and say guys hold on look at it this way or individually say to people, say to my sisters, listen, mum is, mum is behaving like this or whoever's behaving like this because you start understanding, once you start tuning into people, you start understanding them. And again, understanding is a whole lot better than the opposite. Mm. Because once you understand someone, then you can switch on empathy. And once you've got empathy, you can connect. And I deliberately say empathy, not sympathy. Because sympathy to me is a bit... It allows that... Sympathy gives the other person too much leeway. Yeah. It allows them to not act to change their situation. Whereas empathy is like, okay, I've been here before. I can relate. Here's what I think you need to do. But yeah, connect, understand... And then you can go, okay, now I can see it. And you can't go back. Yeah, no, you simply can't go back once you've opened that door. Once you've opened those pathways, you can't shut them down again. And then you realize that you actually, once you've tuned into that basic human thing of being in tune with your body and moving and eating a healthy diet and disconnecting from what the world tells you, then life can actually be quite interesting. I agree. Because then you get connection. Much deeper connection. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, 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 I feel that. You, you understand, you learn to understand what matters and what doesn't. And having the latest iPhone or the latest car, whatever. If that, if that is where you, you get your kicks, good for you. Yeah, nothing wrong but with that. But if you make that your only value, you're missing something. No, I think that's very that's very solid advice. I've, I've I've experienced it in my life where I've sort of fallen into the trap of materialism and mm. you know buying nice cars and driving nice yeah. cars, and then you you very quickly realise that you know there, there's no real joy in it at no. all. It's just completely superficial. Yeah, it's it's completely superficial. And and my dad, my da- one of my dad's last quest comments to me when he was fully healthy was, "I'm realising you can't take it with you." Mm. So what can you take with you? Experience. You can't pack all your money into your coffin or your crematorium and take it with you. Yeah. 
No, I think I think uh, I think you 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 brought up some very valuable points and mm. some very valuable lessons, and um, there's a lot there for people to really think about. Where they, you know, it's good to question why you do what yeah. you do, where you are in your life. Are you satisfied? Are you happy with mm. that? Because, you know, from a personal point of view, I, I convinced myself for years that I was happy, content, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, when in reality, I was anxious, depressed, and uh, close to yeah. probably giving up on everything. Yeah. And it's been, it's taken me to sort of refocus my energy and time onto other things that yeah. matter in this mm. world. And now I find beauty and joy in, in pretty much everything yeah. that I do. Yeah. You, you again, you start to tune in. Mm. And once you've tuned in, why do you want to tune out again? I agree. Listen, Fabes, I know that you need to um, be on a tube in about 10 minutes or so unfortunately so, yeah yeah but listen it's been an amazing conversation yes, thank and, you um i think we should we'll do it again yeah because i think there's a there's a lot there's a lot more yeah there's, there's a lot more depth and i think this is a good introduction to to you know how you found mm. life and you know utilizing the positive aspects of sort of psychedelics yeah. to help help get through to help heal to help process you know trauma that ultimately we all we're all going to mm. experience in our lives so i think it's been highly valuable and i just like to thank you so much you're welcome for coming in today and talking to us my friend yeah and uh brilliant let's leave it there well thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast with fabian and i i do hope you enjoyed it any feedback please do give it to me good bad right or wrong i really don't mind i'm always up for constructive criticism as I'm always interested in improving my game. I hope you guys all have an amazing day. And if you want to reach out, please do. Just contact me through Instagram. Super, super easy. If you want to talk to me about anything that we've discussed on these podcasts, or if you would like to be considered to come on a podcast with me, if you've got a conversation or a story to talk about, please do reach out. I'm always interested in talking to just ordinary amazing people okay so let's keep these conversations going because people really do find it very interesting connecting with real people and just having good fun conversation anyway i hope you guys have an amazing week and we'll catch up very very soon